Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Cara. Hi, Vanessa. So we are both one of four children. We are actually both thirds of four children. That's why we like each other so That's much. That's why we like each other. There's actually a very weird phenomenon in the world where I'll be like talking to someone and really enjoying them and like <laughs> connecting with them. And then I'll stop and I'll be like, how many kids are in your family? And they're like, four. I'm like, what number are you? And they're like, third. It's crazy. The I number married of a people. third. Yeah, but he's the third of three. He is. I but mean, I'm, and I love him. I love I'm just going to say I'm the third of four, but we're three and three and a half years, four years, three and four years. And then there's one nine years later. So I'm sort of the third of three. You're sort of the youngest, but you're like not a youngest at all. Like I'm you're also the furthest thing for me. The most ever. mature. <laughs> so I'm kind of the oh, oldest. You are. And I'm the only girl, so I'm the princess. There's a lot to unpack. There's just like every every societal piece of baggage. So the reason that I started that way, I mean, we could also have a public therapy session, which is fine, is we're going to talk about siblings for a little bit and how we handle what it feels like to be a sibling in the face of parental decision-making and care and attention and what it feels like to be a parent trying to navigate how we care for multiple kids and meet different kids' needs and give them the attention they require. And this came from a listener question. Actually, a number of listeners have written in. And specifically, some of them bring up a topic. Many of them who wrote in are actually siblings of people who have disabilities. And they wanted us to speak to that issue of being the sibling who feels like another kid in the family is requiring a lot of attention and care 
and they are not necessarily getting the same level of attention and care. And we are not today going to speak specifically to the issue of being in a family with a kid with disabilities because we are not disability experts and we have folks in our orbit who are. And so they can speak to that better. However, Kelly Freiden, who's a pediatrician who was herself a cancer survivor and also has written a book about caring for kids with different diagnoses and healthcare challenges requiring extra attention, has a whole section on how to care for the siblings of those kids. So we would point you to advanced parenting as one way to sort of navigate this question. Yeah. And I think it's an important thing just to say as a blanket statement, if you have multiple kids living under one roof and one of those kids is requiring a lot of attention from the adults, whether they have a chronic illness, whether they're struggling with something acutely broken a bone, there's an issue with addiction, there's a disciplinary problem. There's this phenomenon that happens where the attention appropriately all gets trained on the child who needs the attention at the moment. It goes without saying, but we're going to say it. The siblings who are around continue to need adulting. They continue to need the parents or grandparents or adult forces in their lives to be setting limits for them, looking out for them, checking in with them. And so I think it's a very simple and basic blanket statement for us to make, but we're going to make it. Don't forget that even though all of your energy needs to be poured into one, energy still needs to be poured into all. And for the parent or caretaker who does not have the bandwidth, this is the point at which one needs help because there's only so much energy to go around. So if you find yourself in that situation and there really isn't enough to go around, you're sleeping in the hospital with one of the kids, there's just not two of you. This is where it's very important to lean into the village of yep. other parents and caretakers. And th- I think that's the the big picture answer to those questions we got. And just a reminder, which I feel like I bring up on almost every episode, Tina Payne Bryson came on the podcast now, I guess almost two years ago, and we're having her on again, but in The Power of Showing Up, a wonderful book that she wrote, she talks about that kids don't need a parent to show up, that research shows that kids just need an adult to show up consistently for them, to be there for them. And so I know it feels really hard when you can't be the adult, when you are the parent and you can't be the one showing up or attending the recital or helping with the homework, but it doesn't have to be you. It just needs to be a caring, loving adult who shows up. And so just take a little bit of pressure off yourself if family demands or work demands are keeping you elsewhere. It's okay if it's somebody else. And it doesn't need to be a blood relative. It can just be some caring adult in your life. Sometimes it's better if it's not a blood relative, frankly. Sometimes it's better if it's not you, meaning not me. So I think a lot about this subject of siblings. In my household as a child, in my family of origin, two of us were very expressive and very demanding of having our needs met. I bet you can guess exactly who those two were, me and Nick. And two of my siblings 
who are incredible, wonderful people were less demanding of having their needs met or didn't necessarily demand adult attention in the same way. And I think that it's really critical to remember. So like some kids will demand attention in negative ways, right? They'll act out, they'll do stuff they're not supposed to, they'll yell, they'll scream. Other kids will just not demand attention when they most need it and they'll disappear and they'll go quiet um, and they'll sort of like fly under the radar. Others will scream and cry. Others will come and cuddle with you. So no matter how a kid is demanding attention of you, we can't pass judgment on how that is being asked for because for many kids, any attention is good attention. It just means the adult's focus is on them. So my first rule of thumb is if kids are demanding attention in some way or another, and it doesn't matter what way, that is a sign to me that kid needs something from me. You know what's so interesting about the way you framed that is that you talked about it in the context of your siblings. In other words, it's not usually a function just of the kid. It's a function of the kid and everything else that's going around. So the ecosystem. Yes. So your older siblings, temperamentally, they were born a certain way. That's one variable. There's wonderful book called The Birth Order Book that's been around forever. And I just, you know, I really, when I first heard about it, thought it was very woo-woo. And I am a huge believer in so much of what the science says about birth order. But firstborns, not always, but classically, are pleasers. They're adult pleasers. The only audience they ever had was adults, right? Until the second one came around. So the way that they operate in the world is informed by the fact that they are the first child. The way the adults talk to them and the whole first pancake of it all is informed by the fact that they are the first child. So your oldest sibling was very much low maintenance because of this constellation of things not mild. (laughs) (laughs) Well, or demanded less attention, let us say, not low maintenance. Okay. Good. Correct. He was like a, he was like a CIA agent, but my sister, right. Who listens to this podcast. And I, the only thing I will share is something she would share about herself, which is she was a pleaser and she would still say she's a pleaser. And she took on many of the common first child qualities. And it's very possible and likely that in the years between your sister and you, the parenting style shifted a little bit. Your parents learned from their parenting style what worked and what didn't. Times changed a little bit. And so all of the circumstances that you were born into with your your very big personality that we love, but also (laughs) with your older siblings leading the way, leading the charge in certain regards, having older kids around you, having parents who had already made certain mistakes, who adjusted, having parents who got more lenient in certain ways, how you operate in your family ecosystem has everything to do with all of those things. Thirdborns like us are often, not always, but we are often the peacemakers. We are often the ones who are trying to figure out how to broker everyone's needs you know, it's sort of the ultimate pleaser, but it's not really the pleaser. It's bringing everyone onto the same page. And they would say, they would, I'm describing us very benevolently. They would not describe <laughs> us that way, but ultimately the same themes are true, right? And that's it's because- so funny because I didn't play that role in my family, but I play that role in my now, life. Yes, yes, you do. Yes. In my family, I was the atomic bomb shit stirrer, but 
Of course you were. Yes, but so but- you do a freaking podcast that brings together like <laughs> you're like this is the third born podcast. This is like we should have a <laughs> right. And then the baby, you know, that's the real ninja warrior. That's like I got the third born to cover it all up for me or to take the fall for me or to whatever. And right. Twins represent a very interesting, different dynamic. There are just so many variables. I think what would be helpful in this conversation with regard to how it all factors into puberty is to just think through what it means to either have a sibling in the house or not and go through a profound and very slow transformation. So to that end, I think the best place to start is with only children. Do you or someone you love have smelly feet? Well, this is for you. We made magical socks. We did. The magic is zinc. With zinc around, bacteria cannot grow. And if bacteria cannot grow, well, then there are no bacteria to eat the sweat. And if there's no bacteria to eat the sweat, then there's no off-gassing. And if there's no off-gassing, then there's no smell. After we've been Zooming all day, we both hit the same wall. We forgot about dealing with dinner. But given what we do for a living, we know the importance of feeding ourselves and our families well. And we want it to be yummy. So we're psyched to have found Factor. Factor's chef-created, ready-to-eat meals show up at our front doors. With over 35 different options a week to choose from, Cara goes vegan and veggie while I opt for a whole variety since I have so many kids. Two-minute prep gets us restaurant-quality full meals, snacks, and smoothies. And Factor is less expensive than takeout. And because flexibility is key, you can choose anywhere from 6 to 18 meals per week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor meals require no prepping, no cooking, and no cleanup. Our kids are thrilled by the lack of dishes. So get started today and have a week of meals ready to go, taking the dinner prep pressure off. Head to factormeals.com slash puberty50. Use the code puberty50 to get 50% off. That's code puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50. We know it's really tough when a kid's skin is breaking out for the first time or the hundredth time. But now there's an effective product that can help. It's called Phyla, and it's clinically proven to fix acne by targeting the bad bacteria on the skin without eliminating all the good bacteria. This rebalances the skin's microbiome, treating existing breakouts and preventing new ones. Phyla's active ingredient is a probiotic isolated from the skin of healthy, acne-free individuals. This means Phyla can stop acne before it starts by eliminating bacteria in the pores without irritating or drying skin. And Phyla is safe for kids of all ages. Dermatologists recommend this easy three-step system. Just cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. My own kids actually use this product. They love it because it works so well. Get 25% off your first order of Phyla with the code PUBERTY. Go to phylabiotics.com and type in the code PUBERTY at checkout. 
Link is in the show notes to get started. That's how umsocks work. Check out the link in our show notes or go to myumla.com. So only children who are going through puberty are experiencing physical and emotional shifts without anyone their approximate age around them to have as a sounding board, to have as a place of comparison. All they've got is a finished product adult body in front of them in the form of a parent and their own lived experience. And when I talk to only kids about it, the conversation goes one of two ways. Sometimes they feel like they can talk to their parents about everything and it's an incredible bonding experience because that's who they have in the home. And sometimes it feels very lonely and isolating. And I think for parents of only children, they've often said to me that their friends become extraordinarily important, not just for company, but also to give them those sounding boards and those kind of cues about what's going on with everybody else and are their bodies changing and what to expect or am I ahead or am I behind? And so I think friendships become critical for them, particularly if they don't feel like talking to the adults. Which is an important thing to remind all parents of, but especially parents of onlys, which is when they seem to trade you for a peer in terms of the go-to, that's okay. They really actually, there's something deeply appropriate about needing to spitball with someone around your own age about what is happening to you. And it doesn't mean that the parent is in the rear view and is no longer significant. But what it does mean is that there is a very good reason why kids tend to care tremendously about what other kids think starting around age 12. And it really catapults around age 12. And when there's not a sibling in the house to do that, they will often seek it outside the house. And that is totally appropriate. So let's now talk about when it's oldest kids going through puberty and there's, you know, other people watching the transformation. I feel so bad about this, but I mocked my brother endlessly. Really? Uh-huh. I feel I have terrible guilt about it. I remember. I didn't know well, how to communicate. Gave it, he gave it back to you when he turned around and mocked you. So Yes, you're so flat. You guys, the walls are jealous. I yes. think you guys are even. I want to acknowledge just to that point, which is, when kids go through puberty and their moods and personalities start to shift and morph and change, there is a real grief for the other people in their homes. There is grief for younger siblings who feel left behind, mm -hmm. just abandoned, right? Often they were close friends and now mm -hmm. they're not invited anywhere or they're not welcome in or they're not part of their lives in the same yeah. way. There's grief for parents where kids were once cuddly and loving and now they're more boundaried and distant. So I want to acknowledge the grief, particularly for the siblings. We hear this all the time and it's not in this stage only. It's also as kids grow older. I've heard older siblings talk about when younger siblings start to have more autonomy mm. and stop being the little mascot and are just like, no, I don't want to play that. Or no, I'm not going to go get you, you know, an orange from the kitchen. Like, so there are periods of grief for siblings and 
when one is entering puberty and the others aren't, that is one of the periods. And it's it's okay to acknowledge it. And it's okay to talk to younger kids and say, I know this is hard. And we've had a ton of parents say to us, my kid who's in puberty is being a real jerk to their younger siblings. What do I do with that? Because I know some of it is like biological. How do I handle that? You and I are very much on the same page here, but we are believers that if it's happening and you're not acknowledging it and holding a mirror up to it, that's going to become a problem over time. This is not to say one should take sides and negotiate the disagreements between siblings, but I think it's safe to say we both think it's a deep mistake to not say to both of the kids involved, this is not okay. This is not kinder. This is not okay. You guys work it out, but the way you're treating each other is not okay. And, you know, I think a lot of parents, when they hit the point in their life where their kids are old enough to have these dynamics evolving, that's about the time that the parents are often thinking, boy, the people I've had my whole life are my siblings. Yes, maybe there are a couple of lifelong friends that also come in that inner circle, but the one group that maybe I didn't appreciate as much when I was younger, or I want to rebuild a relationship with, or I want to tell them I'm so grateful for them are often my siblings. And sometimes those siblings are cousins that you were raised with, or maybe those siblings are, you know, sort of, they're not blood siblings, as you said, but it does not help generally to say to an eight, 10, 12, 14 year old, one day you're only going to have your sibling. That that is not a great line. They can't understand that. No. I think One way that I step in, and again, I generally want my kids to learn how to play this all out and navigate it themselves. There are certain no-fly zones in my house when siblings are arguing or, you know, in these moments of tension. And one is you do not make fun of your sibling for aspects of their growing and changing body. So you don't talk about your sibling's weight. You don't talk about your sibling's acne. You don't talk about your sibling's penis size. You don't talk about your sibling's breasts or lack of breasts, right? There's no place I am more strict. You can ask, but it is not a point where you can make fun of somebody else, right? When they're arguing and making fun of each other, you can be curious about it, but it is not a place where you can make fun of a sibling. But you can also, as the adult in the space, you can also encourage them to lean on one another for questions. So my kids started to give each other advice about skincare and it was incredible. And, you know, I agree with you. There is no room for mockery. That is not okay. But it is an incredible thing when one of them is motivated to care about hygiene and brings the other one along. Oh, Hallelujah. for sure. No, no, no. Constructive Hallelujah. advice is great. Making fun of the other place in case people are wondering where it's never acceptable is around like their intelligence or calling each other dumb or making fun of grades or scores or anything like that. That is where I draw a hard line That's as a well. Hard line. So if you're in a house where people are saying like, oh, you're such a skinny beanpole, you look ridiculous, or like, oh, your skin is disgusting. As an adult, it is your responsibility to step in and nip that in the bud. I think the place to land in this conversation is in families where there is a large age span between the youngest and the oldest. And I think the reason that this is where I want to land is this is oftentimes the happiest scenario because 
while there is sometimes less day-to-day bonding, especially if it's many, many, many years between the youngest and the oldest, and the oldest may be out of the house before the youngest is really has really come of age in any meaningful way, there is also this incredible backup parenting thing that happens. But we have to be careful as parents not to lean into that too much. So my younger brother is nine years younger than I am. We are extraordinarily close. I would definitely put him at the top, top of my list of closest friends, and I have for life. But there were definitely moments where I became a little bit of a surrogate parent. And to parents who have siblings with such a large age difference, my advice is it weighs heavily on the older sibling when they start to feel like they are the parent. And so I think it's a great thing. And my mom was pretty good at this, actually, when I was growing up, to step in and say, I really appreciate that you're doing this and you're doing this and you're this sounding board, but it's not your responsibility to do fill in the blank because it can get really easy to let the older sibling take more and more and more of the weight of the emotional dumping and the worries and all that. And they're not equipped unless they're so much older and so much more sophisticated. When I was 18 and my brother was nine, yeah, I was equipped to handle certain things, but I wasn't equipped to be his parent. Right. And so I think it's an important distinction to make that that can be a very beautiful relationship between oldest and youngest, but it is not a parental relationship. And I would just say, if you notice a kid seeking attention in one way or another in your household, and that might be, you know, doing some really annoying crap to piss you off, or that might be being really emotional in new ways, that's a sign that that kid needs a little extra TLC. And just figure out a way to get 20 minutes alone with that kid, walk the dog, go to the grocery store, lie on the couch and read books together. But no matter how kids are seeking attention in the constellation of family members, it's a sign to you they need a little extra TLC. And so just find that moment away from everybody else if you can. See, this is why I love you. Because you're like <laughs> fount of wisdom. You're a third born. Because we're both, this is why I love you. Because we're both third children. There must be like some narcissism in that, but that will do on another episode, Cara. Narcissistic third children coming up. <laughs> Bye, Vanessa. Thanks, Cara. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products, like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com. 
subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.